0: Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated, and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. You are worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The gospel of the Lord. Well, have you ever gotten so busy that you forgot what day it was? I mean, this is kind of the classic thing. I know you've all done it at some point in time in your life because it's in every movie. And it's always the dad for some reason. I don't know, we're just expected to be absent-minded, but the dad gets so busy at work that he forgets the anniversary, right? This is the classic movie movie trope. Or or he gets so busy or so caught up in his to-do list that he misses the daughter's dance recital and it's always a daughter's dance recital for some reason. But the truth is, sometimes that happens, doesn't it? We get so busy, so focused that all of a sudden we don't even realize what day it is or what other significant things are happening. Well, this past week I had a week like that. It was Monday, and my wife and I had a trip planned for this past weekend, and so I knew I had to be really, really, really efficient. And so as we got in the car and drove to work on Monday, I said, Ashley, this is what I need from you this week. Make sure that that no one bothers me, unless it's really, really important. I need to shut my door. I need to get everything done, because if I don't, we're not going on this trip, because I need to make sure everything, everything, everything is done. And so I shut my door. I started working on my stuff, and everything was going really, really well. About twelve thirty, my wife comes in, and she says, "Can we get McDonald's today?" And in this moment, I was torn because I was working, and, and this was a distraction that I didn't really need. But I love McDonald's, and so it was—it was a hard, it was a toss-up. And I said, "Sure, let me finish this project. I'll go get us some fast food." And so I snuck out, drove my car, got some food, came back to eat with my family. And as we were sitting there eating, I had a young lady come in because I had just done her wedding the week before, and she needed the marriage license that she forgot, which was kind of important. And so I I stepped up and I said, okay, let's go to my office. It's in my office. And in that moment, my wife started behaving really, really strangely. She said, hey, I know where it is. I'll get it. Don't worry about it. And I thought, you have no idea where it is. What are you talking about? And so I just kept walking towards my office. And as I got closer, all of a sudden, Tim, our youth director, comes sprinting out of my office for some reason. And so this caught my curiosity. And I walked around the corner. And what he had done was filled a whole bunch of little tiny Dixie cups with water and put them next to each other all across the entire floor in my office. Now, like I said, I was busy. So I had no context for what was happening I didn't know what day it was or or why he would do this. I just thought it was really weird and inconvenient. See, I didn't even realize it was April Fool's Day, which is why he was doing this. And so I thought, that's weird. Finished my lunch, crawled on my chair, got around, left all the cups there, and started back at my work because I had stuff to do, right? Well, about two or three, my, my daughter typically wakes up from her nap, and she comes and she gives me a hug goodbye. And so she comes around the corner, and this is what she looks at a whole bunch of tiny Dixie cups filled with water. And she has a kind of a limited vocabulary, but she knows when things aren't right. And she looks at me and she says, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Like she knew this was going to get me worked up. And I said, Kinsley, crawl over the chair, come here, I'll give you a hug, and then I can get on with my stuff. And so she crawls over, gives me the hug, but instead of sitting out and, and walking around and getting back to what she wanted to do, She sits down right next to all the cups. And so in that moment, I had a choice. Do I keep working or or do I step into this moment and engage with my daughter? And I chose to sit down with her for just a little bit to see what would happen. And so I sat down and I decided to pick up all the water cups at that point in time. So I had some pitchers. I started dumping out the Dixie cups into the pitcher and then I was stacking them. And all of a sudden, my daughter started doing the, the same thing. And my daughter's about a year and a half old. This was just An amazing moment for me. So she starts mimicking me. She's grabbing the Dixie cups. She's dumping them into the pitcher. And all of a sudden, as we do this a little bit more, she's seeing that I'm stacking all the cups. So now she starts dumping them in and stacking all the cups. And so in this moment of confusion for me, in this April fool's joke that I didn't really like that much, I, I had this amazing moment with my daughter. Where I was able to disengage from my agenda, disengage from my to-do list, and, and really engage with my daughter. And now I have this forever memory of when she's a little girl sitting in my office and dumping the water into the pitchers with me. Because the truth is, and you've all told me this, and we all know this, is they grow up so fast. And you've got to cherish every moment. Well, today we step into part five of our series in sacrifice. And we're going to see a story very similar We're going to see two sisters who have an opportunity to engage or not engage with Jesus. And this is what the gospel writer writes in the book of Luke. Now, as they went their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And so right away, this is what we see. We see Jesus and his disciples. So 13 guys. And they've been doing ministry. And at this point in time, Jesus is incredibly popular. He's done a bunch of very large-scale miracles. He's done some incredible teachings. And so what happens was he would travel from town to town to town, and the crowds would come to him. As soon as they got wind that Jesus was there, they would just show up in droves, thousands and thousands and thousands of people to hear Jesus talk. But as the night would come, towards a close, and as, as he would go out, he didn't stay at the Super 8, he didn't stay at the Holiday Inn, he didn't stay at a hotel, he would connect with somebody from the audience, and he would ask them if he could stay at their house with his disciples. And in this moment, Martha was the lucky one. Martha was the one who was asked, and she said yes, and she extended hospitality, and so she welcomes the disciples, she welcomes Jesus into her home, and this would be a huge deal, this would be a huge, huge deal, because Jesus was... Highly respected. He was highly popular. And to have her be chosen out of this crowd to let Jesus stay at her house would be a big, big deal. Now, ladies and guys, imagine this, though. When you have someone that significant coming to your house without any warning, no text message, no email, no cell phone call, they just say, can we stay at your house? And you say yes, and then right away you panic, don't you? What does my house look like. They're gonna be staying there. Do we have enough food? Is it clean? I don't remember how I left it. I don't want to be embarrassed. Now what we're gonna find out later in the story is that Martha has a sister named Mary, and more than likely they are at this event together. And so Martha gets this invitation to this experience, to this moment, and you can just see how it's gonna play out. Martha grabs her sister and they start this conversation and they start game planning. When we get home You clean the living room. We'll put them all in the living room and I'm going to start cleaning all the other rooms, right? They can just see it. All these conversations that all of us have had when people come over, you clean that room, I'll dust this, you vacuum this because we want it to be perfect. And they're probably even trying to get out ahead of the disciples to make sure it's clean before they get there. Well, when they arrive and and this plan is supposed to go into play, this is what happens. Now she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. So Mary, despite this more than likely conversation that she had with her sister, decides that she's just going to sit at Christ's feet and sitting down. This implies that she plans to be there for a long time. It's not just a dialogue. It's not just a question and Christ answers her. And then she goes back to her task. She's camping out. She's in the moment. She's not going anywhere. Now, that probably seems a little bit inappropriate, especially to Martha, who's starting to do all this work. But in that culture, in this moment in history, it actually would be even culturally inappropriate. You see, in this moment, women were not allowed to be educated. The best education that they could receive is if their husband learned something and then he could pass it down to them. That is how they allowed education to happen. And so the most educated women in that day were the wives of rabbis, the wives of teachers, because they were educated and then they would share that knowledge with their wife. And so for Mary to sit at the feet of Christ, I mean, this was culturally inappropriate. I mean, inappropriate beyond inappropriate. And so this would get some people fired up if they knew about this. And this is what's happening. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. See, there's Martha. She's trying to be a good host. She's trying to be hospitable. There's a lot to do. She probably put the disciples in the cleanest room, and she's just cleaning around them, right? She's, she's chaining the linens. She's dusting. She's doing all the stuff. She's sweeping. She's making sure it is a good experience. And beyond that, she's trying to feed these guys. She's trying to get the food ready, make sure she has enough food. Maybe she has to go shopping. We don't know all the details, but there's a lot going into this. And you can just see her. She's doing the work. She's walking past this room. And who does she see? Her sister. She's not doing anything. She's just sitting down. And she's partaking in something that's culturally inappropriate and just relationally inappropriate. Because she should be helping her sister, after all. And as Martha's doing these tasks, you can just imagine she's getting more worked up and more angry and and more bitter. And she's probably doing that passive-aggressive thing that, that probably all of us do. Which is she's not saying anything but she's just like walking past staring at her and she's banging a pan or two to say, hey, Mary, I'm working here. You should be working too. So finally she reaches her breaking point and this is what happens. So she came to him, which is Jesus, and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. So Martha she feels talking to her sister would be a lost cause. So she goes right to the guest. She goes right to the teacher who her sister is, is fully engaged with. She says, Jesus, look at this. I'm cleaning everything. I'm preparing everything. There's a ton of work to do. There's 13 guys that you brought into my house. And I had no preparation and no awareness that this was going to happen. And Mary, she's not doing anything. I mean, and she's just sitting there at your feet. She's not helping me. I mean, this is incredibly disrespectful to me. It's a little bit disrespectful to you, Jesus. And I need you to do something because she'll listen to you, but she's not listening to me. I mean, we had a game plan. We had a discussion. She's not listening to me. So Jesus, I need you to step in and fix this situation because I'm about to lose it. So Jesus responds. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. See, Jesus steps in and he has this tone of empathy and compassion. He says her name twice. Martha, Martha. Like, I, I care. I care about what you're going through. I understand what you're going through. And, and you're stressed out. You're distracted by a lot of things. You're getting, you're getting worked up. And, and a lot of the stuff, it's, it's very heavy on you. I understand. And I get that. However, he goes on. There is need Of only one thing. Now, when we read this, we don't we kind of already know the rest of the story, and so we know where this is going. But when when Martha heard this, this term, this word thing, is actually translated from a word that might be better translated from the Greek as the word portion. It's an idea of food, a measurement of food. And so when Jesus said this to Martha, she'd be thinking, good. You only need one portion. You only need one thing. You only desire one thing. Maybe you ate before. You're not that hungry. That relieves me a lot of stress because I was concerned about a full-blown meal. And you just want one thing. So this is great, Jesus. I'm feeling better. I'll be less distracted if I can just get this done. And if you just want one thing, one snack, that would be fantastic. But Jesus goes on. Mary has chosen the better part, or Mary has chosen the better portion. Now, if this was me, if this was the story that I was living in, and if this was the piece of history that I was existing in, I, I was fine with all this so far. I was pretty worked up so far, but then when Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better part, the better decision, the better portion, I honestly probably would have lost it. I mean, you're worked up already, and now you're telling me, Jesus... That, that she's doing the better thing? I mean, she's just sitting there. This is wrong. This is culturally inappropriate. I mean, she's just being lazy, Jesus. She's not doing anything. She could help me clean. We could all get all the food ready. And then we could engage with you. But see what she's doing? She's not doing the good thing. In fact, maybe you said the wrong name. Did you say Mary? You, you probably meant Martha, right? Martha's doing the right thing. Mary needs to step it up. But Jesus closes with this. This thing... It will not be taken away from her. See, this moment, this memory, would not be taken away from Mary. This engagement with Jesus. This engagement with God in the flesh. It would be a memory she would have forever. And little did Mary know how significant this moment would be, because this would be the starting of a friendship. The starting of a lifelong friendship. In fact, Mary and Martha and Jesus became so close that later on in the story, later on in their, in their life story, their brother would get really, really sick. His name is Lazarus. And you've probably heard this name before and you've heard this story before. And when he got sick, they would go to their friend, a friendship that started in this moment. They would go to Jesus and say, please come help us. Please come heal our brother because he is very, very sick and we think he's going to die. Well, if you know the story, he dies. The brother dies. In fact, when Jesus shows up and the brother is dead, he's so overcome with emotion, he's so close to this family that he cries. And as he cries, he moves towards the tomb. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And in that moment, he shows his most amazing miracle apart from his own resurrection as he raises this brother from the dead. And in that moment, Mary and Martha and their brother, this moment, this memory that started a long time ago with a dirty house and an unprepared meal, a friendship that was cultivated in this moment, they began to see that this was so much more than a friendship. This was a relationship with God. You see, this is what we see This week about sacrifice. This is what we see about the simple yet profound truth about sacrifice that when we say no to something, that we get to say yes to something. When we remove something from our plate, we get to add something better to our plate. So this week, this is what we see in the story of Mary and Martha and Christ. We see that through sacrifice, we can trade agenda for engagement. We can trade our our laundry list of things to do, our to-do list of of all these things that captivate us and and hold us and and enslave us from day to day and actually step into something better. See, here's the truth. They grow up so fast. We grow up so fast. And there's going to be some day when that growing up so fast comes to an end. and you're going to find yourself in a hospital. Or you're going to find yourself in hospice care. You're going to find yourself at home and you know the end is near. And I'm going to show up or Pastor Eric's going to show up. And this is what you're going to tell me because this is what everyone tells me. I wish I had one more day. I wish I had one more week. I wish I had one more month or or one more year. And your hope and your wish, it's not going to be that you can get one more thing done. It's not that you wish you can get one more thing crossed off your bucket list or are crossed off your to-do list. It's not a hope that you can get one more business transaction done or complete one more thing, or one more project around the house. You see, you're gonna have this hope and you're gonna have this desire because you wish you had more moments to engage with the people that you love, to engage with a friend or engage with a spouse, to take her or him on one last date to take your kid out, to talk to them, to engage with them about their life, your son, your daughter, to take your grandkids to the fair one last time. See, in those moments, you're gonna wish that you had traded the agenda a few more times to engage in a powerful way with those you care about. And here's the thing, if you get that this morning, If you get that truth and you start making adjustments in your life because you realize that any day the end could come, any day your to-do list is going to seem very, very insignificant in your life apart from the engagement that you know you wish you can have or that you can have. And if you get just that, that's great. But that's not really what the story is about. That's not the power of the story. See, those things are significant, but they're not newsworthy. Those things are significant, but they wouldn't be written about in a magazine or probably even blogged about. You see, the reason this story of over 2,000 years old is still penned and recorded and put into your Bible is because of whom the engagement happens with. Mary sits at the feet of Christ. You see, sometimes I think we miss this along the way. We pride ourselves in, in working hard and and crossing off all the things in our list and making the money and working 60 plus hours a week or whatever that might be for you. But we don't sit at the feet of Christ. Or we pride ourselves in getting our kids involved in everything so that they can excel athletically or academically or, or wherever their talents lead them. But we don't place them at the feet of Christ. You see, we grew up so fast. And we miss time so quickly and I have a fear that someday when we sit at the feet of Christ maybe for the first time in a long time he's going to look at us and say who are you? Who are you? I have no idea who you are but here's the beauty of this moment and here's the beauty of this Sunday is that you have one more day you have one more week You have one more month and you have one more year to trade your agenda and your list and your things that you think are so important in the moment and trade them for a real engagement with Christ.